You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Today on the podcast, I am not with a musician. I am with someone that uh, musicians hang out with a lot and uh, someone who makes musicians uh, sound really, really good. Today on the podcast, I am with Rob Sherrod the sound man extraordinaire whom I had the chance to sit down with uh, back in May and pick his brain about doing live sound for Extreme Metal Act. So here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 68 with Rob Sherrod. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. What's up, everybody? Today I'm with Rob Sherrod, and we are at uh, the Crowbar and Brewery in Oslo, Norway. We are. Uh, how the fuck you been, bud? It's been a while. Last time I saw you, uh, we were mentioning, was at uh, Hellfest, I want to say two years ago, two summers ago? Yeah, with obituary and autopsy. Yeah, you've been busy. You've been busy. You're always busy. Um, tell tell a little, uh, the people uh, what you do. I'm Salman. I mix a lot of... Death, Black, Extreme Metal. I've been doing it for a very long time. I guess 25 years touring now. That's so. insane. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's fun. <laughs> Puts food on the table, I guess, when I'm at home. <laughs> <laughs> what brought you to Norway? Um, I was working with a lot of Norwegian bands. I was working with a band who, with you guys years ago, before you were in the band, called She Said Destroy. Um, who you mentioned were going to come out tonight and check yes, out the gig. Yes, I believe a couple of guys are going to come along. So. They were playing at the Blah Club, which you've told blue me. means blue. Blue. Yes. yes which mm-hmm. nothing is blue in it, so... It's just very dark and old, but yeah. <laughs> How did you get into this crazy world of mixing bands? Uh, it's my mother's fault. Uh, really? She used to work a admin in a, a theatre back in the UK, and for summer I was doing nothing. I was one of those kids who just went around on his bike and skateboarding and broke windows and stuff like that, I'm guessing. And she said, come in and hang out with the guys backstage, and one day I saw a mixing desk, and I was like, What's that? What's it doing? A guy called Jason Morfitt just said, I'll teach you. And it all went downhill from there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is your favorite thing about mixing bands? Um, I like a challenge. Uh, Because some bands, like a four-piece black metal band, it's okay. But sometimes there's a, a Norwegian band I'm working with called Trollfest who incorporate a lot of extreme metal. They they refer to themselves as two Norwegian Balkan metal. The, The black metal guys in Norway are not big fans obviously but in Germany they love it uh, it's kind of folk stuff but it's seven guys there's saxophones 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 accordions troll fest seven vocals and a Britney Spears cover oh, of which song toxic <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a link to it it's, I want to see this I'll put it in the description <laughs> okay it's, it's a lot of fun they just have fun we've just been out for five weeks with uh, Corpaclani who've got a big Finnish folk metal super band super huge band. I've seen that I've yeah. played with them at festivals there and mm-hmm. I've watched them the crowd just goes off for them no one can understand a word because it's Finnish I, I don't know <laughs> I think everything's about drinking yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. We are at the Crow Brew and Brew House, mm-hmm. and we ordered... I used to love IPAs, IPAs. Yeah. and this is a West Coast IPA, I have the feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very uh, yellowish pale, almost like a blonde in mm-hmm. color. It has a lot of effervescence. We can see it. Yeah. Not quite hazy. Let's see what she smells like. It smells smooth. It smells almost like apple juice. Cheers. Cheers. Salud. Mm-hmm. Or a Norway skål. Skål. Skål, yep. yep. That's good. It's really weird. It's very piney. Hmm. 
Good very there. piney, super mm-hmm. drinkable. Yep. Yeah. Oh, mm. I love craft beers so much. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? I am. Yeah. Not a big fan of the sour stuff. Uh, I do like a lot of American IPAs. Every time I go to the US, it's normally... Uh, Sereno Navarro Lunitas, if I said that correctly. Oh, Lagunitas. Yes, yes. I said it wrong. Yes. And Stone as well. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, there's a few places in Oslo you can buy such drinks, but it's obviously Oslo, so it's a bit pricey. But uh, So what got you into craft beer, if you could just remember that um, one beer that just turned your mind? I think um, growing up, my next-door neighbor, or he wasn't my uncle, but he, I grew up with him, uh, they had a, a village pub. Mm-hmm. in the middle of uh, Essex, which is also the post office, the local convenience store. <laughs> and I spent summers there just with Stuart and Eileen and just helping out. And one day I said, do you want to try this Green King beer, which is an old English brewery? It's not like a pills, no, it's not fizzy. It's a proper Ale. English beer. So it's flat and yeah. re- re-fermented in the Not the a big casks. fan of the, the fizzy beers. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're going out for a night or you're working you can't drink loads then with ipas it's it's social and i just kind of like the taste of it and just kind of carried on <laughs> there, there is something a different like culture clash between the american keeping your kids out of bars until yeah. they're like of dr- drinking age or they are smart enough to sneak in somehow whereas in britain you get you grow up in pubs because you go yes. for dinner with your mom and dad, mm-hmm. and you're you know you have family there, and you hang up there. Yeah, uh, I, I find it very interesting. Uh, how do you feel that shaped your beer palate? Um, I think it helped because I, I wasn't really into cider and stuff like that. I I did sit in the park and drink a bottle of Thunderbird Blue or Red when I was a kid, but it's just kind of cider was not really my thing. But having a proper beer, it, it was just nice to have and I just kind of carried on. Do you remember your first experience with beer? Um, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it was just my uncle. I think I was helping cleaning the lines when we used to have Guinness and stuff like that and I remember actually not being a fan of Guinness for a few years because when we were changing the barrel it had an old system and if you didn't tap it correctly it would explode. Oh shit. And I was covered in Guinness <laughs> for like a whole day and he just looked at me and I told you you did it wrong and I was just like yeah. So that was, that was. I know Guinness is not really a beer; it's a stout. But I, that's how I learned the hard way. <laughs> I was drinking Guinness in the UK the other day, though. So it's 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 you. You sort of have to when you're there. I did it when mm-hmm. I went to Ireland. It's like this staple thing that you have to do. Yes, to have a proper pint of Guinness. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm at home, I absolutely don't drink Guinness. I go for more heavy, alcoholy, boozy, flavorful stouts. Yeah, yeah. As the the chocolate ale's good uh, in Norway, we have a Christmas ale's. So the local breweries like Ors, Hansa, Ingness make their own Christmas beer. So people are going out for their Christmas parties, work dues, and drinking three of them, and that stuff's strong. Yeah, and it's delicious. It's dangerous, but it's great. But there's there's some really good beers they've done. Speaking about Norway and mm-hmm. the breweries, uh, can you name off some of the your favorite brew pubs, uh, breweries? Like if you go out and buy a beer, what what do you go gravitate um, towards? I like Ors. The Pilsner's good. They've done a couple of IPAs. Um, I tend to try and find American flavoring. The 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 Osbury, they do the Inferno Metal Festival beer, and um, each year they do a tasting like two months before. So the beer tastes completely different, but it tastes like a Sierra Nevada, the torpedo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not as strong. But it tastes strong, and that's that's the kind of thing I would go for. I if I go to a bar, it's like okay, I can have I don't know, twenty different lagers, or go for a IPA or an APA or a stout. I know I always choose the latter. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.
This one's really good. It's uh, very drinkable. Yeah. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, I used to love IPAs. <laughs> I still do. <laughs> Switch gears to touring. Yes. Uh, you started out uh, just learning sound in your tiny theater. Mm-hmm. When did it become like a real thing that uh, you got involved with bands? I guess I was going to shows when I was uh, 15, 16. One of the, the first shows I went to, I guess it was way back in 1986. Uh, my older sister was taking me to shows. She was into extreme metal or a lot of fresh metal. She said, come and see this band with me. And I was like, do mum and dad know? They don't need to know. <laughs> do you remember what band it was? It was Testament. Oh, fucking And And um, I was just like... I'm, I was listening to stuff like Saxon, Priest, Motet, then I was like, this stuff's a bit more heavier and harder, and, and it just went with it. And I was going to lots of shows, I guess around 89, 90. 89, I saw the very first Grind Crusher tour, which was Morbid Angel, Napalm Death, Bolt Thrower, and Carcass. And I became friends with the guys in Bolt Thrower, and every time they played in London, I would go and see them and move all their gear for them for free. Not realising you can get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Now I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you got to get your way into the door. I go in there and I, I became friends with lots of bands because I ended up being introduced to the autopsy guys like way back in the day. And now I'm fortunate to work with those guys. It's been a few years now since we've done a show because they don't exactly come to Europe that much. And same with Bolt Thrower. They became Memoriam after Kitty passed away and I mix those guys now. So... It's just a long friendship of like 30 years, I guess, of knowing all these, I guess, death metal legends or old men of rock, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. They're just your friends and family now. Yeah. That's just, uh, Do you like to, to find bands to work for that they you get that vibe that it's like a family or, or yeah. versus um, the employee? With, with some band, it's been a business. It's like, okay, at the end of the day, I'll get my paycheck. Maybe have a drink if there's alcohol allowed on the rider with some bands haven't had alcohol on the rider won't go into it another band long story but I'm not with them anymore but they're Swedish and they play black metal um, <laughs> hence <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of the bands now I'm fortunate to work with bands who I want to work with like they're I'm working with Balkangar I've been with them 10 years and they're some of my best friends same with Memoriam same with the autopsy guys same with the Trollfest guys. I'm fortunate to have friends. I, I love working and touring with like Carpathian Forest. They're one of the craziest bands around, but these guys off stage, they're just nice guys. They just they like to party like everyone does, but they we've had some ups and downs with shows, but everyone does. But they're, <laughs> they're some of my best friends as well. well. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Yes. It's something that I've had to learn. Mm-hmm in the business and I used to take everything very personal yeah and now I just sort of just let it roll and sometimes you, you just want to win more than you're losing totally yep what would be one of the worst things worst days that you've experienced on tour uh, I'm sure you have a few missed flights missed equipment uh, being in a country you don't know and no one speaks a word of English it's like Latin America could be really difficult when you're trying to check in and they just look at you and they we don't know what you're talking about. It's like, I, I was in China with Moon Sorrow years ago and I was dropped off the airport, ran to check in. I think I got half an hour to check in and like 45 minutes later, my flight's taken off. Ran up to check in. The guy just looked at me and said, wrong airport. No. I was dropped off at the wrong airport. 
Oh. And the next airport was the 20 minute drive away. So I just ran out and just held this black cab down. And I just gave him whatever money I had. And he was just like, put his foot down in fifth gear the whole way there. Got there in 10 minutes. <laughs> to I, the other airport and you made it? Yeah. I just about made it and I had to fly via Russia. And it was just, oh. Aeroflot, not the best airline in the world. <laughs> what was the airline? Sorry. Aeroflot. Okay. It's the, the Russian airline. Oh, okay. Yeah. There, it's an experience. I was expecting potatoes and vodka on the flight, but I just, I don't know what I ate, but it was something weird. Belarus Airlines gave us a, a cucumber sandwich with a slice of cheese. I, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you still got it. Oh, Eastern Europe. <laughs> mm. Yes. What would be your favorite place to tour? Um... I have some favorite venues to go to. Actually. Okay, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. In Holland, uh, in Tilburg, 013. Absolutely, that's where this tour started off. Love yeah. that place. Always, I've been there, I think, four times so far this year on, on different tours and festivals. Great hospitality. Shout out to all the local crew. You guys yeah. are fucking amazing. Awesome guys. Yeah. Uh, Rianne, who's she's great with everyone. And she always, every time I go there, she gives me crap. Because <laughs> I've known her for so many years. Uh, there's Z7 in Switzerland. Okay, no, I don't know that one. You, you guys need to go there. It's probably the best catering in Europe. You're so looked after. The local crew, got Frank who does monitors. Can never remember the name of the house guy, but he's a super <laughs> cool guy. Uh, there's a lot of venues. Um, backstage, Munich mm-hmm. is yeah, always good. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hall in Hamburg's. That's pretty cool, apart from the lift. <laughs> That's a nightmare for loading in. <laughs> what, 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 what makes and breaks a venue for you? Um, if you've got a good production team, a uh, good promoter who basically has done his homework, because I, I tour manage a lot of bands as well. So when I'm saying, do you have this, do you have that, this guy is lactose intolerant, does he have his certain diet, and everything's there, it's great, I'm happy. For me, if the band are happy, I'm happy. It's always good to have a tour manager mm-hmm. that's not a band member. Yes. You know, I don't mind selling shirts and stuff. I can do all that. Mm-hmm. But the TM to be like the face of the band and be the bad guy if you have to be, I've it's had, always, always best if it's not a band member in my experience. I've had to be the bad guy before and I've, I've had promoters telling me I'm being unreasonable. It's like, well, we've had no rider. We have no buyout. We have nothing to eat and drink. There's no showers. So I just want to keep the artists happy. Yeah, the, the, where's the hotel room and uh, yes, after show pizzas. <laughs> yeah, then he's like, can we not have pizzas today? Yeah, or kebabs. <laughs> I'll handle. I'll, I could take a kebab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'll be happy for a cheese and cucumber sandwich sometimes. <laughs> what What would be your your tactic if a, a promoter doesn't want to settle? Um, I always try to be polite as possible and and just make sure the band are happy. And I try to the best I can. There's been a few occasions I've had to ring up the booking agent and say, like, guy, this is not happening. We had no payment, advance payment for the show and they want us to be here. They want to take a percentage of shirts. Um, there's been times I've nearly pulled shows. You, you've stopped a show? I've nearly done it really? a few times. Uh, I've said, okay, you've got five minutes to get this sorted or we don't play. You don't drive people to ATMs? Um, I have done that before. <laughs> Let's tell what's that story. Um, <laughs> you can leave out bad It names. was a yeah. long time ago in the UK, and the guy was saying, "Oh, I will pay you after the show." And it's just like, well, it was in sorry, it was in Italy actually with a Norwegian band, and the guy was like, "Oh, can I pay you in drugs?" It's just like, well, <laughs> drugs don't exactly pay the mortgage at the end of the day, and it doesn't pay for the crew, it doesn't pay for the band, it doesn't pay for flights. Uh, and he was just saying, "Oh, but I'll keep you guys happy." It's like, but none none of the band are into this. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were because you were a band. It's like, no, you need to get this arranged now or 
you lose your headline band. Jesus. Then yeah. you have to go on stage to, to apologize to the 700 people who want to see this band. The 700 people and he couldn't pay you. Unbelievable. Yeah. Then uh, five minutes before the show, he came up with a big bag of money and said, do you want to count it? I said, I'm about to start my band, but I'll keep it under the desk. And wow. It was all there plus a bit extra. There you go. Okay. So it was arranged, but I, I spoke to the booker about it. So you're not, you're not like an aggressive in your face. Um, I'm going to steal your console. No, no. None of that. Um, there was one issue actually on a tour with Dark Funeral uh, in Creation a few years ago in France where um, a phone disappeared from backstage. Like a, a cellular phone? A cell phone. Um, disappeared from backstage. No one knew where it was. And uh, some merch was stolen because they gave the, the merch girl this huge table and she was selling merch for two bands. It, it can happen. A lot of people turn up and just, there's a box there, see what's in it, walk away with it. Mm-hmm. And they had security cameras, but no video footage. And uh, I said, okay, you've got 10 minutes to get this phone found or I'm calling the cops. And I went in the back of the trailer because I was doing the loadout. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to make an impression. I'm going to start shouting and swearing and like banging on the side of the inside the van just to show though just to go oh there's an angry English guy <laughs> and um, two minutes later oh we found the phone by the bar and I was just like okay at least you found the phone so I spoke to the booker about it and the booker said oh yeah oh yeah really sorry about that must be one of the the local guys the thing is to get to the backstage you had to go in a, an elevator two floors up oh. catering to go to the dressing room what the fuck, eh? I had a production room, all my stuff was in there, nothing went missing, but the phone went walkies. It was found, but I spoke to a band who were playing there a month later because I saw their poster, and I, r- I rang the guy up and said, when you go there... Watch your shit, yeah. When you go in there, grab a microphone, then say, I'm going to keep this until the end of the night, when all our gear is returned, and you'll get it back. And apparently the, the venue was just like, what do you mean? He said, well, because this guy was here last month, and obviously it's a small community, everyone knows each other. Then it's like, oh, really sorry. I won't say the band who did it, but... Uh, no, no, of course not, no, no. But it, it was kind of funny getting an email saying, I did what you said. That was funny. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned it being a small family. Yeah. How, how easy is it? Have you, like, uh, gotten jobs because you've worked with people and... Yeah, like with the Carpathian Forest guys, um, a few other guys playing on a band called uh, Svartian. That's uh, a Norwegian black metal band. They're great guys, and they played Inferno this year and saying, do you want to mix us as well? Because we're playing, and at least we know it will sound good and things will be organized. So that happens with some bands, which is great. So, what you mentioned uh, Inferno. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had mixed me personally with Cryptopsy. That was uh, at Blastfest. Blastfest. Yes. What, what is your opinion about Blastfest? Do you think it will come back? No. No. That no. won't. Uh, the year after, it was just a just a, a Norwegian edition of just every band was Norwegian. That's that's, that's right. That's right. That's that was right. A great, that's a great idea. idea. Great yeah. idea, yeah. but. There was issues with payments and stuff okay. like that. Some people got paid. Some people didn't get paid. I'm not going to say anything completely because I don't know the ins and outs of it. Mm-hmm. But I've heard from other bands and stuff. Some had got half the guarantees. Some got the full payment. It was probably sold out. It was sold out when we did it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Shout out to Bolt. No disrespect. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think he's might be trying to do something again. I haven't seen him for a while. So okay. I don't know if he's back in Blood Red Throne. I think he yes, is. Yes, he's still there. Okay, yeah, cool. Because we did album. one tour with them after that, and he wasn't there, and then they've he came back. They've got a new back. album out soon. Good, good. good. So, yeah. I know Shout out to those boys, still, too. Yeah. They're still around. So. Yeah, Blood Red Throne. Mm-hmm. You should listen. Check them out. When I tour the UK... We do like the whole like Euro run, and you get catering every day when yeah. you show up, and then you go, then you go to the UK, and everything changes. <laughs> why why is that? You know, you get you get worse food, 
horrible conditions most of the time. The showers are either non-existent or... Just cold. Just cold. <laughs> just cold. Yeah, just freezing cold or very cold. The catering cold. gets worse. What, why is that? I, I, I actually left the UK 11 years ago, uh, but I've noticed the touring scene in the UK is very different to as it used to be. I think um, it's hard for venues to stay up and running because they have to pay so much... Uh, I have PRS, which is the Performing Rights Society. They oh, have to okay, so just much. to have a show go on. Yeah, okay. so they have to pay a lot more overheads just to have a concert. Got it, yeah. So they don't really have the funds for say, okay, this is the full variety, you want this, you want that. So we can give you the basics we can. Um, with some festivals, they've, they've got it organised, uh, and some festivals... Not so much. I've yet to play a big fest in uh, in the UK. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to do Download, right? You guys have Download? Yeah. yeah. Bloodstock would be Bloodstock a good one for you guys. Bloodstock was really, really, really what uh, I would like to There's do. one in Glasgow called Lord of the Lands. Yes. Uh, yes. We did that with uh, Autopsy a couple of years ago. <laughs> do you like mixing more than one band, or are you like, I'm only going to mix one band tonight? How do you feel um, about that? Uh, well, a few weeks ago, I uh, was at Neverland Death Fest, day after you guys, and I had Carpathian Forest, and straight after us, uh, Unleashed were playing. So I thought, I know the guys, I've known them for many years. I'm going to mix them as well. Because I thought, yeah, I can't watch them and see the house guy do it. I have to do it. It can be painful. But it's a hard room. Yeah. It is a hard room, actually. I love playing in the Netherlands because I feel like the government really puts a lot of money into the arts. And there's all these beautiful venues. And any you walk into any little city and there's this huge venue mm-hmm. that has like multiple rooms that will cater to multiple different size and crowds. And so clean. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the great gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the one in, I'm going to say it wrong there because it's not pronounced like this. But for me, it's like, <laughs> it's spelled out like this in my English way. in Nijemen. Yeah. Nijemen. Oh, Nijemen. Let's say you say it right. Yeah. Nijemen. I don't know. Niels, you're going to laugh at me for saying it. You, you made fun of me. I think it's N I J. That's it's, there's a yeah. J in there. Yeah, yeah I know the Asics guys yeah. will kill me for just making fun of their Dutch. But there you go. <laughs> and they have this like lift in there where you, yeah. you pull your bus in. Oh, it's the one that picks it up, turns it, it around, puts it, it down. Yeah, it's unbelievable. The last yeah. time I was there was with Dark Funeral and it put the bus down in and um, the water tank <laughs> split because oh. <laughs> of the pressure. So he, the driver just fixed it with some gaffer tape. Really? Yeah, yeah. it was cool. Though. I, I like that venue. My, my question of uh, mixing many bands was built upon if you could like put together your own tour mm-hmm. of just all your best me- friends living on a bus together. What bands would those be? Uh, you can mix like you know like people from the nineties too, ooh, like a dream thing. Wow, um, that'd be a weird diverse lineup. Um, I always have fun mixing Autopsy, but they they're all Family Guys, and they like just they they do the shows when they want to do the shows. It'd be nice to have them. I guess uh, maybe a four band bill having Unleashed playing it, getting some old school death metal bands playing. I'd love to mix Saxon one day, actually. Yeah, that'd be I'd super love nice. to mix them. Do they still play? Yeah, they're still awesome. around. Um, I met the guys a few years ago at Grasspop. Played a game of pool with them. Very drunk. Grasspop's another UK one, right? Uh, it's Belgium. 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 Yes, that's that's right, yeah. a good festival, yeah. I see. So many fests. I love it. Yeah. I'm not doing any of this summer. It sucks. I'm trying to think who else. Um, maybe someone like Primus. Yeah. You just keep it very diverse, because Primus I've seen a couple of times, and that's just one crazy band. What would be the challenge of mixing Primus? Not knowing what's going to happen next, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be, it's like playing chess. You need to be one move ahead or two moves ahead. But that would be a, a fun band to do, so. Because there's a lot going on. Because it's not all funk, pop, or jazz. It's just a lot of other stuff. So. 
What would be something that would make your gig just horrible? You're in the middle of a gig and something happens. Um, normally having a very drunk artist on stage. That was going to be my next question. Awesome. That always yeah. can be a tricky one. And sometimes... Uh, how do you mask it? Or can you? Well, sometimes it's the drummer or the guitarist. I've, I've worked with an artist years ago and the guy was playing and saying, can't hear him in my monitor, can't hear him in my monitor. Hadn't even turned his amp on. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, one of these shows, yeah. And, I've just, I, and I physically have, had to go through the crowd and just walk on stage and go, click, click. And he's like, oh, it's a bit loud. It's like, continue. Uh... Normally, uh, a singer I, I've had before, he's been like singing the set and he'd be singing the wrong song. The wrong, because he's too drunk? Yeah, he would just be making up the lyrics to like a, say it's like a, I don't know, a really big band singing the classic song. It's like a, having Kiss singing, I want to rock and roll. Yeah, know, yeah. But with it, the wrong lyrics. It and it's lo- just like, you sing, what are you singing? I've had that. Um, there is something tricky about booze though, because you step up on stage and you're lost. It happens. Yeah. It happened to me once, mm-hmm. and I I watch myself very carefully before yeah. shows now, very very carefully because well I don't actually drink before shows anymore. We're here to play the show yeah. primarily. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fun to have fun and to check yeah. stuff out and to taste some great beers. That's why I, I call it tasting beers versus drinking beers. But sometimes you still have to do the office job at the end of the day. Uh, we're, we're here for a reason. Yes, you know, yeah. I'm away from my family for a reason. It's fun mm-hmm. to hang out with friends, but that time on stage is why I'm here. Yeah. So it deserves the utmost respect and well, I've, attention. I've done the the bad things drinking before the shows, and I remember years ago when I was, I was on a gin and tonic phase and did a sound for this this a local band. I did their EP for them. Soundcheck sounded great and said, "Oh, we got you a bottle of gin. Have a, have one now." I said, "Oh, I better not. I better not." Go on, just have one. I was like, all right, I'll have one. One turned into two, two turned into four. And it got to say, the band started. I'm looking at them. I hadn't turned on the PA. Oh, my. And I was just like, whoops. Didn't get the gig again after that. Learning experience. So I I learned the hard way. So now I just, I don't. Sometimes I'll have one, one small beer. With supper, you know, or something. Uh, and that's it. I like to keep my ears fresh if I can. So. That's another thing, too, because your ears will change if you're drunk, I've heard. It's, every time you have one drink, I've, I've been told, it's too DB off your hearing. Really? Uh, same if you uh, dairy products, cigarettes, ear, nose, and throat, all connected. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. You mentioned that you recorded... Uh an EP. Mm-hmm. So, have you ever gone to the studio aspect of it? Do you do that? I I don't. I, it, I you, get you dabbled in it, or I have done. Uh, back in the UK, I basically helped set up a whole Pro Tools studio. At my old job. It was a, a venue, recording facilities, and rehearsal rooms. So I basically played around and set everything up. But it's just it's not for me. I, I get bored. That's why I like live stuff because it's not like you can stop it and go back and say let's do another take. Mm-hmm. It's, it's there. You can't change it. So, that's I like the challenge. So, what what is really the difference? It's just it's too. I, it's not quick enough for you. You have like an ADD, <laughs> possibly an OCD, and yeah, yeah. all I'm, the acronyms. I'm, I'm guessing so. Yeah, <laughs> I've literally got letters after my name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I would love to have stayed late tonight, but we mm-hmm. got to jump yeah, off and make our that, way so. to, to Hamburg tomorrow, mm-hmm. sadly. Yep. I really appreciate you sitting down, Vox and Hops. Rob Sheridan. No Absolutely cool. appreciate it. We're going to hang out some more, but not with you guys. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. 
Rob is such a cool guy. Uh, we had such a great time after this. Uh, we kept hanging out in the bar. We had a few more drinks. It was fun. Oslo was a cool city. This is the first time that I'm going to announce this on the podcast. Vox and Hops is going to be having its one-year anniversary on October 26th at Turbo House in Montreal on St. Denis Street. It's going to be an epic awesome night i am super excited i've invited all of the vox and hops alumni to come down to the party if they can make it if they are in this part of the world they will try to come out and hang out with me and all of you vox and hops heads that want to come out and hang out with us i actually brewed a beer for this event and it was such a great great uh, experience i had never brewed a beer before it was so exciting. It was a lot of harder work than I thought it would be, uh, but it was super, super enjoyable. And I'm excited to share the very first Vox and Hops collaboration with Le Fermatar, who happened to be Vox and Hops alumni. Way back at the beginning of Vox and Hops, on episode three, I did Patrick Martin, who has his own craft beer bar in L'Assomption, Quebec, called Le Fermatar. So I went and I did a collaboration brew with Le Fermentar, and I'm super excited to share it at the party. Uh, there will also be a live podcast, the very first ever live Vox and Hops podcast with an extremely cool mystery guest who I'll announce in the next few weeks. So I'm super stoked. Check the Facebook event, which I have included in the description of this podcast, to get more information and to stay up to date. I hope you have a great weekend, and remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Fox and Hopsets. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>